0: This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Um, I just threw a couple slides in because I hate starting with a blank slide. And these, as I understand, these are uh, fall shots of West Virginia from my friend Tammy. So... Understand, we have some Virgin, West Virginia-related people here, so that's a good thing. Hey, by the way, thanks for the for the gang that did breakfast this morning. Great job. I don't know if you, I don't even know who everybody was. So if I start naming them, I just saw people there. They did a great job, um, and and it really was a great turnout. I was amazed. And if you would all just come back for Thrive next Sunday, that'd be terrific. I don't know what we have to do to get you there, but that was, but the pancakes got you there. That was certainly uh, a good thing. I notice you've worked in a few activities through the fall that involve food, and that's always a a real good thing. We've been talking about discipleship, as Ben already mentioned, and uh, one of the things about discipleship is uh, that the key development of a disciple is this uh, growing consistency of what's in our head and in our hearts and in our hands, and I know... Pastor Mike and Pastor Nick have talked about this before, and I just want to take it a step further with some of my thoughts. The things that we know to be true and that we're learning are true as we walk along following Jesus eventually become matters of real conviction. We're not just thinking about them, trying to take them in anymore, but, but now they become a part of a, a matter of conviction. We're convinced and committed to those things, and that settles in our hearts. And then eventually that comes out in the way that we live, in our hands, as it were, the things that we do. And that's the, the thing that really marks the growing disciple. Uh, it's, we were talking about this, a uh, couple of us, uh, at breakfast last week, or actually just over coffee. What, what makes a disciple? How do we know if somebody's becoming a disciple and growing in their walk with the Lord? And a lot of them are intangible things, and it's hard for me to know what's in your heart but often I see it in the way that you act, and the things that you say. So we kind of make sure that we talk about head and heart and hands all in the same discussion because we're not just looking for conforming to a certain kind of behavior, do certain things, but we want to make sure that those things are in your heart and that you're clear on them in your mind. Now, one of the books that I really like is the Old Testament, I'm sorry, the New Testament the book of James. Uh, one of the reasons I like James is How many of you have a book of the Bible named after you? But I do. Okay, Daniel, you do. I understand. Okay. There are some others I know. But what I like best about James uh, is his background story and the way he looks at life. The James that wrote the book of James, and by the way, I'm going to have some slides up here with scripture on it, but if you actually want to follow along for yourself, it's page 1,196 in the Pew Bibles in front of you there. If you've watched your own Bible, you're on your own. You just have to find it. Go to the index and find it. But it's a short book. James was actually the half-brother of Jesus, our Lord. After Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit Jesus, she and Joseph came together, and they had other children, one of which was James. And it seems like James, along with his other siblings, didn't really connect with him during his earthly life, they misunderstood him and um, didn't really get who he was. Even though they saw him in the, in the home, they grew up with him, knew something was different, I guess. But they never really connected his, him with, um, as Messiah and as the Savior. But after the resurrection, one of Jesus' first contacts was with his half-brother James. And that had a transforming impact on his life. We've been singing this song, Resurrecting, and that uh, resurrecting Jesus uh, was resurrecting uh, James in his life in those moments on that wonderful day. And after that, he becomes a flaming evangel and a wonderful leader in the church, highly respected, almost above everyone else. So he's a real leader in the church, and he has the opportunity to write to Christians scattered throughout the uh, known world this little book of James, a lot of the letters in the New Testament that we know that were written by Paul, for example, are written to specific churches or specific people. James is kind of a general letter. He sent it out to all the Jewish people living wherever they were in the world. So he, was just, kind of, he just sent it out because he wanted to connect with his fellow Jews and tell them about Jesus and the Christian life. So he sends out this little letter. It's the first of the general epistles in the New Testament, Just five chapters long. And I want to take a look at it because the thing that makes James powerful for me is that he really liked to put things in very clear, down to earth, practical ways. So he doesn't discuss, um, doesn't have soaring discussions on theology like Paul does. Although we need those because we need somebody to connect with our, our heads so that we get it straight and we understand what we believe. James, however, is more concerned about talking about our heart and our hands. What we say we believe, is it really a matter of conviction? And are we living it out in the way that we do life? Only instead of saying um, head, head, heart, and hands, uh, James takes a couple of other anatomical parts. And he says, okay, let's see some consistency with head, heart, and ears or head, heart, and tongue. So it gets real specific because these are some areas that we can all relate to. We all have ears, we all have tongues, and we use them hopefully for good, but often not always. And these are some of the things we forget about. And if somebody is becoming a growing disciple, one of the ways that will show up in them is the way they use their ears and the way they use their tongues. And although it's not the only thing James discusses, he spends a lot of time in this little letter, five chapters, talking about ears and tongues and how they show what you're like. He says, for example, in James 1.19, Dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's one of the first uh, comments he makes as he begins his letter. So he knows that's important, and we got to be careful that we don't just talk, that we listen. So what are your listening skills? Um, I don't know if you could rate your listening skills. So let's do this. Just kind of do it in your own mind. Rate yourself and your listening skills, how you use your ears, on a scale of 1 to 10. And 10 is, wait a minute, let me stop what I'm doing because I want to give focused attention to what you're sharing so that I hear not only the facts but the feelings and read between the lines of what you're telling me so that I understand it completely. That's ten. One is, huh? Did you say something? Okay. So on on that, rate yourself on a one to ten. And then just for fun, uh, find somebody else close to you later. Don't do it right now. Because I don't want any scenes. So like on the way home in the car, invite your husband, wife, or maybe your children or a close friend that's with you to rate you on the same scale and just see how they match. I took a shot at this. On on driving down here this morning, I asked my wife to rate me one to ten. And uh, she actually was very, very generous, I thought, because I wasn't sure. Because she says that I don't listen to her. So I really thought she'd rate me closer to the low part of the scale, but she rated me an eight, which means I must be making progress. But she did it with sort of a caveat. She said, a lot of times, I'm not sure if you just weren't listening to me when I said something or if your memory is failing you and you're just forgetting. (laughs) So because I'm at that age now where I don't... I told you about our niece's party. I don't remember that. I really don't. Were you listening? I think so, but I I don't. So now with me, when I was younger it wasn't true, but now for me it's hard to tell if I'm just forgetful or if I'm really not listening. But even so, she gave me a pretty good score. So try that, score yourself from one to 10. How are you as a listener? How are you using your ears? Because according to James, that's very important. And we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Most of us are quick to speak. And we don't, we don't listen. We're not careful. We don't hear how the other person is feeling, what the other person is thinking. Later on, James talks about some of the uh, results of that. And we'll get into that in a little bit of, of when we talk about our tongues, about speaking before we listen. But listening is very important. There are many examples in your life, as well as in Scripture, of people who are careful listeners. Even Jesus. I was thinking about how Jesus did ministry, because being a disciple is all about following him, after all. Think of the times in, in the Gospels where Jesus stops and asks somebody a question and listens to the response. Because he wants to know, what are they thinking? What's on their minds? What do they understand about him? He wants to know, so he listens. He asks questions and listens. And if Jesus can listen, uh, I think I should be able, to be able to listen. And you too. So listening is critical if we're going to be a growing disciple. Those of you who are in leadership at any capacity, uh, here in church or in other areas, know the importance of listening. Now I also know that there are certain people who, if if you gave them the opportunity, would take up your whole day telling you things so you could listen. So they need to learn to be a listener too. You know, so there's that goes around. But but most of the time, the fact is we don't really listen. Somebody was just telling me. I think it was yesterday. He said the problem is when when you say to somebody. Hi, how are you? Uh, most people don't stop to listen to what the response is. So, you know, because it was just like, hi was as far as they went. How are you? They really didn't want to know. So if you start to tell them how you really are, they just, you know, smile and walk away. Because they really don't want to hear anything more than that. It's hard to take the time to listen. Tammy posted something yesterday, and I can't, I'm going to probably get it wrong. Some, some, of my, some, some people, talk talk with me if they have the time, and some people take the time to talk to me. Is that what it was? And I thought, yeah, that's that's what it is. Some people take the time to talk and to listen. And uh, that's what James would have us do, listening, because listening improves understanding. I'm not learning anything new if I'm talking. I'm learning something about you and about ministry and about your Christian walk in life if I'm listening to what you're sharing. So that's important. And not just listening to one another, but James takes it a step further. He says, listen to God's word. Do not merely listen to the the word and so deceive yourselves. So now he's not talking just about your word, but he's talking about his word. So we don't just listen to it. That would deceive ourselves if all we did was listen. Instead, we do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like." So yesterday I looked pretty shabby. I, you know, I looked like a mountain man or something. I had a couple days of uh, uh, hair growth on my face and you know, looked pretty grubby. So it was important for me this morning to walk in, take a good look in the mirror, uh, assess what was wrong and what I could do about it, because a lot of the things I couldn't do anything about, but I could do something about some things. I could, you know, like, I could at least run my fingers through my hair a little bit to make it look not so disheveled, and shave, and all. so I could do so. Wouldn't it have been foolish if I looked and saw the mess in the mirror and did nothing at all about it? James says it's sort of like that when I come to the Word of God and I want to uh, hear it or listen to it, but I'm not committed to doing what it says. But a disciple, a follower, is committed to doing, not just listening. I listen so that I get it, and then I follow. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We need to look intently into the word. My uh, son, Michael, I, I still remember this as though it were yesterday, which is apparently one of the things that I still remember from years ago. I remember I was talking with him. I don't, know how, I don't remember how old he was, four or five, I guess. And um, he was trying to explain something to me. And I guess I was kind of distracted. I don't remember what I was doing that was more important than listening to him. But I wasn't paying attention, really. I was doing something else. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. That kind of a thing. And he reached out and grabbed my cheek and pulled me over. So I was looking right into his eyes. I said, okay, now I can tell you that. That's that's what God wants to do to us when I'm in his word. He wants to take me and go, okay, I know you've got a million other distractions. You're thinking about a million other things, but just a minute. Listen so I can share something important with you. It's going to change your life, and then go and do something about it. I don't know how it is that you come to, to church, if you come ready to listen. In our pastor's fellowship that both Pastor Mike and I attend, uh, we're, look, we're reading a book by a pastor from up in New York, uh, Pastor Keller, and um, he's talking about preaching, what the experience of preaching is. So we're talking a lot about preaching but I had an interesting insight during the discussion because I said, well, you know, for the last uh, number of years, that's how I approach Sunday. I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to be sharing the word. But through this summer, I've been put in a different situation because most Sundays I come out as a listener. And that's been a healthy thing because I've realized that you can't just show up and sleepwalk through church. Not if you're a follower, not if you're a disciple. Because I want the word to impact me. So I want to come as a fully alert, engaged listener. So that as Pastor Mike or Pastor Nick proclaim the word of God to me, that I'm intent on listening to it and doing something about it. And, and I hope you've developed that skill too. Just as we need to develop our listening skills toward one another, the Lord knows that that could be much better than it is. Also, we need to be developing better listening skills between us and God. We need to be listening to what he has to say so we can do something about it. There's a well-known preacher on the TV preacher from down south who will often punctuate his sermons with, "Now, now listen, now listen, now listen to this. And uh, I just thought that's interesting because it's, it's certainly remarkable, but after a while, it's just, you don't even hear that anymore. But what he's saying is, the thing I'm going to say next really capsulizes it. If you don't get anything else, get this. So listen. You've been in that experience too with your kids or whoever where you thought maybe they weren't listening. You stop them. Now listen. Now listen to this. Listen closely. And so that's what James does. At least three more times in the book, That's how he starts out. Now listen here. This is important. Beware of showing favoritism toward others in church. Beware of that. Listen closely. Not just that you hear it, but that it does something different to you. In chapter 4 he says, now listen. Be careful you who brag or boast about what you have or think you can do. And then finally in chapter 5, now listen. You who think you're well off and misuse your wealth, listen to what I have to say. So James continues to come back to that whole refrain, listen, listen, listen. And I think that's how God wants me to come to his word. I think that's how God wants us to come to church, to listen so that God can speak to us and touch our minds and our hearts and everything else about our lives. Because one of the things we sacrifice to him is our ears and our ability to listen. Listening to one another and listening to his word. He covers another area too, and that is the tongue. Very closely related, ear and the tongue. They're two important parts of the body and uh, often go hand in hand in most situations. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. If you can never make a blunder or a fault in what you say, you are remarkable beyond everybody else here. Is there somebody here this morning who would like to share a testimony, by by your testimony, that you have not made any misstatements or foolish remarks this week since last Sunday? Anybody just by a show of hands? Okay, I didn't think so. I thought I had you pegged. It's hard. And maybe even tried. Maybe like as soon as it was out of your mouth, you wished you could pull it back in. But there it was. Because it's hard to control it. He goes on, he gives some interesting illustrations. I wish I could have some people come up who really knew something about these illustrations. I understand them, but I know there's people here who probably understand them better. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal... Or, he says, take ships as another example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. See, he's building towards this case. The tongue is really pretty small compared to everything else. But it really makes a big impact on our lives. So he's using some other examples of that. Now, I don't do much with horses. I know Jennifer's got a horse, so she could probably come up here and tell us all about horses and bits in their mouths and turning the horse and all that. And we had the time, we'd get the full lowdown on that. But we can move that horse where where we want it to go by that little bit in its mouth. Those of you from the Navy could come up and tell us about a, a ship, a large ship, a carrier or something, that turns just with a rudder, that large ship. And if that's true, how much more should it be for us? The other is the downside of this. The tongue is a small part of the body, but often makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of its life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Boy, what disaster a tongue can cause, just like a fire. Um, here again, one of my re- recollections from my youth is uh, Smokey the Bear, you know, and you could become, you could send in this little response card and become a junior forest ranger. I don't know why I sent it in. I lived in the city, we didn't have, I had never even seen a forest, but you know, I just thought it was kind of cool because who doesn't love Smokey the Bear, you know? And he's still their spokesperson well, after all these years going strong. Doesn't even look his age. He looks great. <laughs> but he would remind us, just a careless spark. Those of you who go camping know the importance of just a careless spark, a, a, a fire not, not properly uh, uh, handled when you walk away, just could set on fire the entire forest. And sometimes the tongue is like that. It says things and sometimes you can't take them back. The words that we speak with this tongue can destroy reputations. Maybe that's happened to you. You can push somebody away from the gospel by the things that you say. You can erode a relationship. Marriages often struggle because harsh words are said. With your tongue, you can wound spirits. With the words from your tongue, you can be divisive. Them versus us. This and many other things the tongue does. Even other things that we don't think are such a big sin, they really are. Somebody once described flattery as saying something to somebody's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. Think about that for a minute. Saying something to somebody's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. You don't really believe that about them. You'd never say that to anybody else about them. But in order to get an advantage over them and manipulate them in the moment, you say that to their face to try to boost them up so that you can get what you want. So many things we do. And then later on, though, that just comes back to bite us because they realize what we've done and they resent us. And all these things happen. The tongue is just a small part. So here again, you already have your rating for listening. You rated yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. Later on, you're going to ask your wife, your husband, your oldest child. I've, I've only asked my wife to rate me, but I intend to ask one of my children and one of my grandchildren to rate me. And that's even a more scary thing. Or a friend. Just get somebody to try to be honest with you. So now rate yourself not just on your ear, but on your tongue. Now for this, I guess um, 10, <clears throat> 10 is um, people often come to me to receive words of grace, blessing, and encouragement. Or one is, uh, my tongue is licensed as a deadly weapon, or something like that. You know, so, so you rate yourself somewhere in there, and then ask somebody else to kind of rate you. Here again, Denise was, I think she felt bad for me because I was, I've been sick this week, and she went easy on me, but she actually rated me pretty generously, I thought. She, she, said, she actually gave me a seven for my tongue skills, and she said, but your one besetting sin is still sarcasm. Which I knew, and I've, really, I've been working on it. One of my friends, Ken Lawson, as a matter of fact, gave, gave me a book one time. Just, it was all about, it's a whole book just about sarcasm. Different types of sarcasm, how to use sarcastic remarks in the conversation. So I'm well-schooled in sarcasm, but I know that generally it hurts. It tears down. It discourages people. And it often does it in such a way that I get to mock them in the process. So that's something I have to be careful of, going for a cheap laugh, but I wound somebody's spirit. So you have to figure out what your category of sin is in using your tongue, but God wants me to use my tongue for good. James says in another place, if anybody considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself And his religion is worthless. So you may think that you're a fine, upstanding, church-going person, and that's great. But what does your tongue say about you? What does that say about who you are? If your tongue isn't in control, then all those proclamations about your religiosity really don't mean much. Because, James says, here's the sad thing. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. For out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be." This uh, happened to me not too long ago. I left church and um, had a great time. I mean, I was really, felt my soul was uplifted, with, you know, the praise, the music that we sang, because we always end with music and uh, Thought the sermon was particularly powerful that morning and really I felt it was stirring up inside my soul. And but I got out on Cowpath and somebody did something I didn't like and I said, You idiot! (laughs) Anybody ever done that? Probably not. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed to admit it. But so here, this is like five minutes after I had just been in God's presence with you all, praising God. And you know, a mile down the road, I'm cursing somebody. For something they do. And yet that person, as dumb as their driving maneuver may have been, is a person in God's image who deserves more respect than to have me call him an idiot. But we find ourselves in that dilemma all the time. We have a tongue and it can be used in a marvelous way to build up and to encourage people. But instead we often use it to tear down and just advance ourselves. But the disciple comes to learn that just as with the ears, the tongue is one of those things that I commit to Jesus Christ. I sacrifice the use of my tongue to him because I no longer want to use my tongue to make people laugh or think that I'm smart or get the advantage of them. Now my commitment is to use my tongue in such a way that he will enable me to speak gracious words of encouragement to people to build them up and not tear them down and to give me the opportunity over time to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and invite them to meet him too. That's what I can now use my tongue for. Before I was a believer, I didn't want to do that. Now I do and I can. So I rein in the sarcasm or the lying or the flattery or the slander or the gossip or whatever. I rein that in because I now have the opportunity to use my tongue to bless. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So in the ways that I listen and the ways that I speak, I want you to see that what's going on in my heart is not what was there naturally in my sin, but what God is doing by His Holy Spirit, coming down and from, from heaven itself, putting into my heart these other things to encourage you and to build you up. It means I'm not waiting for you to say something nice about me. I want to seek you out and bless you and encourage you and build you up where you are. And I want to do it sincerely. I want to submit my speech and my listening patterns to God's will for him to be in charge, for him to be in control. Now, there are many other areas, I'm sure, in our lives where uh, that head-hand-heart connection will show up. But one place I know for sure it will show up is in our ears and our tongue. There are two pretty small parts of our bodies, and yet they can do tremendous damage, but can also be an even more tremendous blessing. He goes on later in the letter and just shares some of the things that can go wrong because of the way that we speak. What causes fights and quarrels among you, he says. We quarrel and we, we wrestle for advantage over each other. Other times we slander one another which is saying something behind your back that I never say to your face. It's kind of the opposite of flattery. There are other times we use it to swear. Now this swearing isn't blankety, blank, blank. It's not that kind of swearing. Swearing is where I say something, but never intend to keep my promise. So I say, here's the deal. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, and that's enough. That's all you have to say is one word. If you say yes, I trust you, you're going to do it, you're going to be there, you're going to help me, you're going to take care of this. If it's no, then say no. Don't even have to apologize. Just say no, not at this time, and I'll take it at your word. But to say yes and see it turn out to be a no, that really is a problem. Now I've lost hope uh, in you. Now I've lost integrity in your eyes. So those are just some of the things that bad use of tongue can get us into. Fighting and quarreling, slander and not, use, not giving our word in an honest way. James says just, just some things to think about, because ears and, and tongue control so much of what else happens in our lives. I know that uh, many of you are real interested in your, in your bodies and taking care of them, and I admire that. Um, About a year and a half ago, Denise and I went out and got a membership in the Upper Perk Y. It's a beautiful new facility. And uh, we pay monthly fees there. We're members there. And uh, I even took a tour of the building, beautiful building. They showed us all around. The manager came out and met with us and talked with us. And uh, since that day, I've been there twice. Twice. I don't say that to brag, obviously, (laughs) but I know some of you really are much more serious about yourselves than that. I need to be more so. My doctor hollers at me every six months, but so I really do need to do something about that. Oh, I've got excuses. I've got excuses why I don't go. You can see me later. I probably thought of some you never thought of, (laughs) but I don't go. but I should. But here's two body parts I really want to concentrate on. My ears and my tongue. I know I should be working on the core muscles and all that other stuff. I hear you. I understand that. I need to do better. But I want to make sure I get this right. I want to use my ears in a way that brings glory to God through Jesus Christ. I want to use my tongue in a way that blesses and encourages and refreshes other people. Wouldn't it be great if every Sunday um, we could demonstrate to one another how we were exercising our ears and our tongue all week by just kind of milling around out in the hall before we come in, uh, blessing each other and encouraging each other. And, and, and you see somebody, and you, last week you, you told them that you would pray for that need in their lives. And instead of forgetting about it like you usually do, you actually remembered, brought them before the throne of grace, and you go back to them, how's that going? I prayed for you on Wednesday. And if that's the conversation that was going on as we got together, I wonder what that would do to our worship experience if we were being disciples with our ears and our tongues. There's a lot of other body parts we need to bring under the Lord's control, but I know those two have often got me in trouble, and I'm sure you too. Commit your ears and your tongue to God through Jesus Christ. Read over, if you get a chance, the entire letter of James. It's only five chapters long. Uh, It's right after Hebrews. Hebrews is easy to find. It's a pretty big book. It's the next book there. Read it over. Just kind of think about it, because I love James. That He he just really brings things down to earth. He talks about things at a level that, that we understand. He understands life. He understands what we deal with. And he knows that you want to be a disciple. You want to be a follower. You want to commit your life to him. Well, let me pray for you and pray for me, too, that as we face these things together, that we will be learning in all of our lives to be disciples of his. Lord, I do indeed thank you for the privilege of having ears and a tongue. Now I need you to Teach me by your spirit how to use them in a way that brings honor and glory to you. I want to sacrifice on the throne, on your throne, um, the way that I used to use my ears. To listen carefully to choice gossip. To listen, to to stand around and listen to those um, inappropriate remarks or jokes to listen to other things that were unwholesome. Instead, I wanna use my ears to listen to the concerns and listen compassionately to my brothers and sisters in Christ, those of my own family, as they share with me their, their hopes and their dreams and their heartaches. Help me to be a better listener, Lord. And Lord, this tongue that gets me into trouble so often, how is it that we can control so many other things in our lives? can't seem to control our tongue. Lord, I sacrifice to you this tongue to be used for your glory. May you prompt me by your Spirit to speak words of grace and blessing to others in my life. So as we all come together for worship, we begin our worship even before 10 o'clock by blessing each other on the way in, maybe even through the week with phone calls and all the rest. And somehow, Lord, even in this day of technology, it often still blesses me to hear a phone call, a voice from an old friend, rather than just a text. Help us to use our tongues in a way that shows that we are your follower, committed to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.